You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hello. Hey, Donnie Spiker. He's there somewhere. Greg Hectus. I'm here. Hopefully you can hear me. We'll call Steve Thompson. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. And come on down and take a seat there next to Mike Ellis. On the show this week, check out a new car offering from iRacing coming in the next week 13 update. The new season of the CarQuest World of Outlaws Sprint Car season kicks off with some familiar faces. In hardware, we check out more very impressive Formula Wheel releases, and some real-world drivers compare the brakes performance between the real and sim brakes. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products that we will discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. We hope to see you there. Are you tired of your pedals feeling like a video game? Want to step up to feeling like you're actually driving? We designed our P1 Pro pedals to feel exactly like a real race car, giving you a better feeling when you're driving. Push braking zones to the limit and avoid locking up by having a finer feel of the limit. Trail brake into the corners smoother, allowing you to carry more speed. Our P1 Pro pedals will be the last set of pedals you'll ever purchase for your simulator. A lifetime warranty is included. That means you'll... If you ever run into issues in years to come, we'll service them and keep them perfect. All right, right out of the gate, we have our first or at least for today, the first new content that'll be coming out in the new season, the Toyota GR86. As a part of its industry-leading offering of hundreds of cars and tracks from around the world, iRacing offers dozens of pieces of content included for free with all active subscriptions. And for 2023 Season 1, an all-new car, the Toyota GR86 Cup car, is making its real-world debut next year. It's going to join the base package as free content, while Virginia International Raceway and Wild West Motorsports Park will also be granted to all the users as included for free content for the first time. Pretty neat, you know, to bring out a brand new car and it immediately goes to free, you know. They don't want any money for it. And I'm sure Toyota has a, a, a part of that. I mean, Toyota probably wants it to be free. They want people in this car. So let's clear up some of my confusion. This is not a GT4 car for the GT4 series? No, it's a their own series. And actually, the series kicks off... Uh, kicks when does it kick off um in march end of march 2023 and it goes complete season all the way through sonoma and concludes at indy road course in october so looks like they got a complete season for it too it's just single series i like it and that's a series on iRacing i take it yes do you guys there's a there's a few series we have out there that run a whole season like a whole real calendar throughout the year. Do you guys want to see more of that? 
How much can we do? You know, you got the IndyCar, you got the NASCAR, you got the B car, you know, those all had those. And then you have the IMSA, you know, and so we're going to have F1, you know, kind of, kind of thing going too. I'm sure. Is this going to be a rookie car? Good question. I would guess a D to a C. I have no idea though. I would guess D class. Well, one of the good things, one of the good things about it being free content is a lot of the hosted uh, racing and and some of the leagues that like to just bounce around between a bunch of different free cars. We'll we'll take advantage of this for sure. And then, how about Virginia International Raceway? Uh, you know, I was just a week or so ago. I was going to buy this to run one of the cars I run, and I didn't. And now I'm glad because it's going to go free. Now, somewhere I also I read, I don't know where it is in the script, but they're also rescanning VIR and we're going to have an updated VIR. I know it said too, if you'd bought it in the last 90 days, that you'd get refunded totally for it. And if you bought it in the, I think in the last year, they'd refund you like $5 or something on both tracks. I like it. Exciting. I don't own either track, so I'm especially excited for the Wild West Motorsports Park because I'll be able to get to run the the truck at a, I would say, a truck course, potentially, and uh, see if I like it better than running it on the rally cross tracks. Wild West uh, Motorsports Park is a great track. Um, I've had a lot of fun on it with the Pro 4 truck. But yeah, that's the other track that's going to be marked as free. Is that the only uh, off-road track that's free? Off-road specific, I believe, yes. Yeah, there's just those two, really, and I, I think, yeah, you had to buy two of them to, to run it, and I did. Well, that'd be good for people just entering the service, getting some free content. Well, uh, I think Pro 2 Light Truck is free, right? Yeah, it's free, but I think in the rookie off-road, I think you just mainly run on those rally cross tracks, and it wasn't as fun oh. for me, so I'm hoping this is having this track could uh, get people more interested in it Heck, get myself more interested in it. They need more of them there. Uh, they need more of those than two. <laughs> so hopefully they're working on that too. Well, an event that's going to have a lot of people who are definitely interested in all the, all things sim racing is the sim racing expo. And we've got a few tweets with, the, with a preview going towards that, which is coming up. Well, it's going on right now, isn't it? December 1st through 4th in Nürburgring, Germany. Yeah, you see the Fanatec booth here. They got an actual race car has a centerpiece there. It looks like they have a pretty large uh, booth. Then this one, this is a, a reel from on Instagram from Asher Racing. And it's fascinating because if you look closely, they're, they announce or they show a new wheel that hasn't been announced. And it's basically a McLaren wheel or a McLaren branded wheel. Hashtag volume button. Instagram videos are the worst. Next, there's um, GSI has a, a post with a lot of different features, including their Hyper Hyper P1. That thing looks really, really, really nice. The all black version. Yeah, we'll talk about this later in the hardware section. They're, but they're launching this Hyper P1 at the show. And it's basically like a Gomez wheel on steroids. It's like got all the bells and whistles and, and wow. They got quite a big booth too. Uh, they got a corner booth um, and they show some pictures of it. So it's kind of neat to see uh, what's going on, man. I wish I was there. I was telling the guys 
some one year I'm going to play, I'm going to go to the show and, and wouldn't it be cool if I could walk around and grab two minute interviews with some industry leaders and, and then we tie those together into a show. I think it'd be great. I feel like the popularity is rising on a volume level here stateside that we could potentially get something like this over here. Uh, that'd be nice. You know, this, this show has gained momentum over the years, Donnie, um, I think, and, and it is getting bigger every time it seems like, but you're right. At some point, you know, you think North America, which is usually the driving economy in the world, you know, you, you would have something over here. I, I wonder the demographics. I imagine there's probably more members that are from North America than anywhere else, isn't there? I don't know. Well, racing in F1 is pretty big in Europe. Yeah, and they're in the middle of Europe, so it, a lot of people could drive there. Yeah, I, I guess they're Vegas. running R Factor and different sims other than iRacing. Yeah, I can see Vegas being a perfect destination for something like this. Yeah, Las Vegas Convention Center. We need like a quarter of it. All right, Steve, next we've got some updates from North Wilkesboro. Yeah, another update from North north wilkesboro speedway update they're putting in uh, suites are being built and they're also installing safer walls and drainage pipes are going in to get ready for the uh, nascar all-star race coming up and they've got a picture in here from uh the speed save the speedway and uh they show pictures of the uh, safer safer walls going up there it looks like it's quite a project putting the walls in so normally I would, my impulse is to say another rescan, but the joke is it's not a rescan. We never scanned this track. Remember they built this based on pictures and video and that kind of thing. Uh, um, no, they scanned it. Oh, they scanned never. it after they cleaned it up. That's right. Yeah. The old version of it. Yeah. So I guess they're, I'm saying is I guess you're right. And it is a rescan after all. Well, are they messing with the track surface at all? I mean, when you install those safer walls, I mean, that's going to push the groove out, right? Yeah. I'm curious. I don't know if I've actually run the cup car at this track. I've run this track quite a bit, but I'm curious what the, I guess it wouldn't matter. If they have no experience with this car in the track, having the exits be tighter now that there's a safer barrier. But um, yeah, I guess it's, it's good. They don't have no experience with this track, with this car yet. Well, and I'm trying to, you know, in my mind, I'm running a lap at North Wilkesboro in the 87. When you come up off of uh, four, and you go right up against the wall, and I'm just trying to imagine if it stuck out, you know, another 12 inches, uh, boy, that's really going to disrupt the groove. I mean, it'll probably dramatically slow the lap time. You know, for the cup car, the current cup car, I don't think, I'm, I'm hoping it won't be an issue, but if we do run the 87s in there and like winter NIS, then give us the older track version without the safer barrier, then we don't have to worry about that. They should definitely keep it either as legacy or or literally just a different configuration. Yeah, because you know they're going to throw new buildings in there and they're going to rescan it, rebuild them. Uh, it's going to look really nice come next summer. So I still want that old Wilkesboro in there because it's pretty cool how old it looks, especially in the service. Let's have both versions, right? And when is the best time for iRacing to do it? Probably the weekend of the all-star race, right? When everything is there and all the RVs are there and the trailers and everything, right? All right, Mike, we got the sprint series kicking off. Usually Brian would pick this up. I'm going to throw it to you. Yeah. Uh, it's getting started. 
It is the premier series for the world's top sprint car sim racers. Um, the iRacing World of Outlaws Car Quest Auto Parts Sprint Car Series is 10 week. Uh, starts at Volusia at 9 p.m. tonight. As always, the racing action will stream live on Dirt Vision. 35 drivers go wheel to wheel for their share of a $25,000 prize pool. So it runs uh, November 28th. So we actually, yeah, we already missed it. It was November 28th and it goes through January 30th. And then down here, lower down, we actually have uh, the results of the first race. And it was Alex Berger on with the win. James Eden second, Tyler Shell third, Evan Say fourth, Timothy S. Smith fifth. So nice to see Alex uh, rally back to get a good start on this season. I remember he struggled uh, pretty hard in the late model. Yeah, these are always fun to watch, uh, just like the late models were. I have a hard time following these during the week. I don't really get to around get around to watching these until the weekend. So by that time, I already I don't have much to say as we go. But um, yeah, I like I like these net, um, pro series. They're they're fun to watch. Keep a keep up on. And, and kudos for iRacing to finally get lots of dirt tracks. There's no repeat uh, tracks on the schedule. Every week, a different uh, venue. And that's the way it should be. All right, Donnie, have you gotten any promotions lately? No, I'm not promoted to anything. But Sebastian Job is. Uh, iRacing Road standout Sebastian Job announced on his Twitter account that he has been added as a sim driver for Oracle Red Bull Racing as F1 team. So... When I first read this, I thought they were going to have him as some type of reserve driver for a real car. So I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. But no, this is definitely for their uh, their sim racing team. But it's pretty cool. He's big in the, the rally side of it and the road, obviously, the road side as well. He could be in line for a driver's, real driver's um, seat. Who knows? I know there was another guy that I'd, that I'd seen that uh, moved up from being a uh, test driver, sim driver, to drive a real car so who knows yeah it's happening more and more and we'll have a story about it uh, i think a couple more down or the next one i'm not sure um but yeah i mean the formula ladder would be quite an accomplishment to enter coming from sim racing but um it would be uh i'm curious if what names entered the skip barber uh, series from last year um because he didn't i don't remember if you had names such as his enter it and compete in it and get that chance to drive the real skip barber well mike i know this is right up your alley because you love always looking for every jump you can on every track yeah dave mike's uh disappeared for a second have you it says have you made the jump dave cam reminds us that it's the law to do the jump at the end of every race at bathurst and this came off of twitter from dave cam at the end of every race at bathurst on iRacing. it's actually the law to do the jump i forgot to explain this to julie Ainsworth were 18 properly before the race. Her reaction to what going on is going on in front of her as she goes over the crest is priceless. Um, and so if you had, they have a video on Twitter here, and she's it's after the race, and she's kind of just cruising around. And all of a sudden, everybody takes off. She doesn't know what's going on, and they hit the jump and go flying, and she ends up with a car on top of her, and she's having a good old time. She's laughing. It's a pretty good video. You know, in the interest of full disclosure, I don't own Bathurst. I think it's because it's intimidating as hell. And in all the other video games, I've never been able to make it through the hill section. Uh, but stuff like this, I see it. And kudos to Dave Cam for pumping it out there. But 
makes me want to go out and buy the track and jump the jump. But uh, yeah, maybe one day I'll give this 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 track a go. Uh, this isn't a video game. Absolutely you know, correct. What I- when I bought that track, I think that was my sole purpose was to jump it. <laughs> Initially, I wasn't buying it to race it. Yeah, I my just problem, have... my problem is I jump in other places when I'm not supposed to. Yeah, ovals aren't good for that. I just have visuals of not just crashing lap one in the hill section and just being disappointed and hating the track. So I stay away from it. It'll probably be like Monaco if we ever get it. I'll, I'll never buy it just because it'll be too tough to to conquer in some ways it's not that dissimilar from the street courses especially detroit in that you're you either finish the race with no x's or you die that's how my long beach goes i i just daydream halfway through a race and there goes my right front wheel isn't that like every race greg has had at bathurst well we ran I think a couple of years ago we ran it in the supercars and I just, I could not get it under. I, I hated it. I couldn't do it. Well, I, I can do okay with a GT three there, but in the, in the supercar, I just, uh, did, I did not finish. I, I he didn't even get to get in the car, which was payback for when he wrecked the LMP at Le Mans on the way to pit lane. All right. Well, this, th- this next thing you really hate to see Donnie. Yeah, Elite Performance Industries posted a video of a sprint car getting coned. This hasn't happened. I know we just saw a cone launcher not a few uh, episodes ago. But um, I guess with this um, cone in your way, you can still kind of navigate. But, but yeah, this would be pretty tough to see if a cone gets uh, stuck in front of your windscreen. I guess for them, uh, a gravel screen. This was like how it sticks there. Yeah. yeah, it was posted by Elite performance industries they do uh setups and stuff um that's pretty funny you know it almost shows maybe the accuracy of of the sim and and all the dimensions that go into building it because it does it looks like it gets stuck right underneath the the front wing and on top of the front i don't know if we're going to call that a bonnet or what but um right in front of the the windowless windshield would this uh hamper you guys or you guys still think you can navigate through the corners as you're looking to the left, uh, especially with triples, when it, on dirt, I mean, you're not looking at the center monitor because you're always looking to the apex. So I don't. The, now you got to remember uh, the way I have my gyro view is different than most people's dirt view, but the way that would work is the nose would be sliding over out of the way of the view. I think it can actually affect the handling of the car too. I don't guess that's as big of a deal at, at a dirt track, but uh, I had. I got the car stuck at at uh, I think it was Miami. I don't remember one of the big bigger ovals, and it was definitely slowing the car down. So just earlier we were mentioning Skip Barber, and now we've got a, a neat story. Um, earlier this year, the indie-based teenager Elvis Rankin impressed sim racing and world racing pros alike with a stellar performance in the inaugural Skip Barbula Formula I Racing Series. His runner-up finish in that championship gave an opportunity to compete in this year's Skip Barbula Race Series in the real world with a half-season scholarship to help showcase his skills. And flash forward to the week's season finality at Coda, and Rankin has done much more than just show up for the races. It took him just two rounds at his debut event at Lime Rock to find the top step of the podium for the first time. After formalizing a full-season campaign, he enters rounds 13 and 14 with a 13-point championship advantage. 
He's quite impressive. He had six wins and known nine podiums in, tw- in, in the, in the 12 race schedule. What's also interesting is he's a, uh, he had won the 2016 USAC quarter midget national championships also. Um, and there was another, uh, gentleman that I should gentleman kid that ran in this also Michael, Michael grade, and he won the full scholarship, um, for this series from iRacing. racing and uh, he's had a solid season also. He's sitting in fourth in points with four podium finishes. So that says really says something for these guys coming off of uh, iRacing to be that successful. Well, yeah. at this point, I don't, I don't know that there is a line. We kept talking about how the line's just going away and going away. And now it's almost just kind of like everybody's doing – everybody that's coming up is literally just doing both because – the advantage of the sim racing is the utter amount of laps of practice you can put in, but you don't get the real life experience. But this guy already has some real life experience and has parlayed that over to do well into sim racing and then turned around and turned the sim racing skills back to the real life racing. And then they're both feeding each other, it seems like. Yeah. And I think uh, listener Jason Bossy sent this in. Um, he also indicated that it looks like um, – the kid is going to get a test in the F4s uh, in Europe for 2023. That's pretty awesome. He's gonna, he's, it looks like he's going to be one hell of a racer, or already is. Well, it's neat to see him getting in the open wheel ladder in Europe. Uh, and let's see how he does over there. I mean, it's pretty cutthroat. Well, Mike, um, I know that – my Miami's already popped the champagne bottle in the football season, right? But they might be a little bit nervous about this Stephen Wilson guy, right? Well, obviously, uh, Stephen Wilson, the Coke driver, who made it to the championship four, uh, he's been running in the E NASCAR College Fall Semester season. Now, I haven't really talked about this on the show, and and kind of for this reason, I you know I'm. I've kind of lost interest because the pros are stealing all the thunder. And so all these other college students who are probably amateur racers, they're really not getting much chance when you get these pros in there. But here's how bad it is. Steven Wilson is literally undefeated. Uh, tonight's victory in the, at Nashville, basically he won every single race of the fall semester of the season. He won them all. Yeah, all four, all four races. He smoked them. So I guess that throws out the question, should the pros be, you know, advised not to run some of these events to, you know, open it up for others? Well, I think if it's it, supposed to be touted, sorry, if it's supposed to be touted as a amateur division, you, you don't typically have LeBron James playing the University of Miami. Yeah, it's a hard thing because he is in college, so they're vying for uh, college scholarships, aren't they, in this series? Yeah, that's the thing. It's not about being an amateur series. It's about being a college series. You have to be in college to qualify. And, yeah, you're right. Stephen Wilson is in college, so, yeah. He might need the cash, too, so he can finish college. All right, we can skip this next one. We really already covered it, right? Yeah, but the surprise, uh, I'll take that one. So Trading Paints noticed that the picture of the new Toyota car, if you look in the background, you'll see there's a clue. Do you guys uh, see what the clue is? So if you look at the footbridge, 
you'll see Magna Coors. That's that, a new track. That's a new track. Okay. Yeah. Magna Coors, France, I guess, is where it's at. That Oh, and it's definitely not pronounced that way. It'd be like, what is it? Circuit Magna Coeur? Or something like that. They, they don't roll their R's. They do a weird guttural thing with their R's. But, uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder um, if this is going to come onto the onto uh, iRacing, they must be um, buy or purchasing other content from other companies doing the scanning, I assume. I, I think I heard that before. Yeah, it's happened at least once. So, But we knew this, car, this track was coming, I, but I think this is just a hint. Hey, we're going to see this next week on week 13, probably. All right. Well, if you haven't spent your money that you have in iRacing, you better get to it. Uh, Alex Gustafson has announced in the forums that there's a new policy, meaning iRating credits will expire two years after they're granted. That's credits and dollars. So there's a difference. Dollars means you paid money for it. Credits means like you earned it by participating in week 13, uh, I mean, the week 12 series and that kind of thing. So it's the ones where you participate that uh, will expire. And I, I have no problem with this policy. I mean, two years is a long time. And hey, if you're not, you know, buying a track or a car, you know, within a two year period, then uh, you don't need it. Well, you, I mean, at least you can, can put it towards your subscription, right? Right. That's what, uh, when I renewed, I only paid like 20 bucks because it had so many credits piled up. Right. And you're going to renew at least once every two years, right? So there's no way they're going to expire on you, right? They shouldn't, but this is probably more for, uh, uh, more to just keep them from getting, protects them from accounts that are active for a really long time and then suddenly come back. And then that's money that's coming out of their budget that, that they didn't plan on, even though it's, it's, it's chump change, but still it probably just makes, makes it a little bit easier on the bookkeepers. I wonder how it affects those uh, pro accounts, you know, that Steve Myers hands out that you get everything free. And because uh, I think the way they did that was they just gave you like 3,000 credits or something. <laughs> well, that's interesting. That means you better go ahead and buy everything up. All right. So next up, Steve, we have the entire build thread. Yeah, this was posted on the uh, iRacing um, forums. Uh, 2023 season one build thread, content list, confirmations, and rumors. Niall, Kyle Noel made a list of the 2023 season one build rumor updates. And uh, it looks like he's got, uh, conf he's got confirmed, confirmed post build, but confirmed he has, of course, the vehicle they announced today, the GR86 Toyota Cup car, circuit day nevers, Magna Coors. Um, we need David to pronounce that for us so he could roll his R's a little bit. Uh, VR or VIR and Wild West are becoming free content, which we already talked about. Updates and new damage model to the GT3. Updates and new damage model to the LMP2. USF 2000 Indy Pro 2000 schedule adjustment. Uh, Formula Renault. 2.0 taking is taking the season off and uh then they've got a bunch of rumors and um well, we got confirmed though post build steve the bmw lmdh 2023 edition and there was a tweet that came out right before the show greg wanted to talk about what was that david 
What about the I, BMW? I didn't read over it yet, but let's let's pull it up and go ahead and look at it. It's in the it's in the Irish Lounge production. Oh, it says here. Uh, the like, do you like the real world BMW M Hybrid V8? Well, the digital version of the car on iRacing received a livery update as well. Do you like it? So some of the replies are, "Oh, does this mean we're not going to be able to paint it?" And I think that's what it probably means. Oh, that's going to be really unfortunate, isn't it? I, I'm just—I mean, that's such a disappointment. Or is this just the default paint it launches with? Hopefully, you know, we'll be able to paint it. I, I mean, it's going to suck if we can't. Now, hopefully, it means it's just really close to being ready to be released. They still haven't put out any information, or unless I've missed it, they haven't really put out all the information about what's going to happen season uh, one yet with them. So, yeah. So, the, so the other thing on confirmed post build was um, the LMDH class to IMSA and European Sprint and Endurance. Is that confirmed for season we, one though? Well, he's got it confirmed post build, so that means after right. week thirteen, and and that probably means before you know next january when everything else kicks off right yeah before by the they're gonna try to have it done by daytona right and then there's the vir rescan i mentioned um it says here in the weeks after season one build vir will also receive extensive art and surface updates via an all-new scan that will overwrite the current version of the track so users looking to preserve replays will need to capture content before the update the current version of the track will serve as free content until the updated version is released. Don't we usually run that in the dark? <laughs> what, VIR? Right. Um, oh, no, I'm thinking of the... It. Yeah, I'm thinking of something else. Sebring. I was thinking of Sebring, that. yeah, sorry. Especially in IMSA and, uh... and... And actually, that's the next thing on the list. Now, the next part of the list, Steve, was implied, and that is a Sebring uh, update. Of course, we have the Mercedes uh, Formula One car for next year. The NASCAR 87 AI was delayed from last build. So we're kind of hoping it coming out this build. And then remember, uh, test session active reset. Uh, they were hoping to release that in September. Here we are in December. Yeah, hopefully they get that uh, that implemented. That sounds like it's going to be a, help you a lot, especially during road courses. And they have uh, a, real yeah, quick, the maybe, maybe rumored. Do you want to rattle those off? Yeah, the maybe rumored. Uh, they're talking about uh, Kern County Raceway Park in Bakersfield. Uh, and it was revealed on Facebook that was scanned. And then Indianapolis Speedway rescanned dirt oval uh, was hinted to be scanned along with the road course and oval at IMS, which um, I believe the, the oval they've already. They've already uh, put that on. That was in the last build, wasn't it? Yeah, they did the oval part. They still need to do the rest. And then uh, Anderson Speedway, um, it says Winchester does, denied us, so we went to Anderson and got it scanned instead. That's by Dale Jr. Uh, late model stock car pro late model. Um, Dale Jr. said they were working on it. And then the uh, Super Supra GT4 Evo. Um, it says it's been told by iRacing that's coming soon on Race Spot TV. 
So uh, maybe those things will be showing up also in this in this upcoming 13 week 13 build. Yeah, and don't forget other teasers that are still hanging fruit, rain, 3D grass, and a 2D to 3D fence generator. But I think rain is the big thing. I mean, we saw hints, uh, you know, they were working on it. We saw screenshots. That was in the over summer. I mean, and now here we are in winter. You you think rain is ready? You think we're going to get it so they can test it a little bit in alpha before the Daytona? You know, now's the time to get it out. Don't release it right before the 24. Yeah, they should have 24 hours of rain at Daytona this year. Let this an hour sprinkle would be great. And they've got uh, some confirmed for future builds here also. Puke, puke, cohole. Uh, Gary Corbett would kill me on these pronunciations. <laughs> uh, puke, Cohoe Park, um, 1987 Pontiac Grand Prix and Micro 600cc. Um, I'm not sure what that is. All right. Well, most of the events have wound down for the year, but we do have a charity event coming up, and it's from um, podcast former guest Annie Rabbits. And she tweets, the big day is almost here. She's going to be joining Casey Kerr and Daniel Morad, and I don't know what most of these other handles stand for, on Twitch for the Jumpstart X charity event on iRacing. Third annual charity event. Pretty cool. You know, Annie's like, you know, big time now, right? <laughs> I think we had her on the show not not long after she started her YouTube channel. I, I think before she really blew up. Um, but, you know, it's neat to see, you know, her rubbing elbows with some of these big uh, Twitch streamers, uh, as they call them. And uh, pretty neat. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, it should be a, should be a great, uh, great race, charity event, raise some money. Donnie, we were hanging out talking about uh, getting ready for Daytona next year, and you came on and private messaged me and mentioned that you were really surprised how much drive deeper you could drive now that you have your sim coach pedals working. Well, yeah, I've heard you guys for a good solid year uh, go on about how good the pedals are. I've heard the ad. I, I've, re I've read the ad, um, but when I bought the pedals, I think we ran our last NIS road course race just prior, so I've only been using them on oval, and you don't necessarily... Um, I didn't get the full effect yet, uh, but last week um, I'm transitioning to road for the winter and I threw them on uh, my BMW M4 and I mixed up the washers. Um, I thought hard was too hard for that car, uh, so I did a mixture of hard and soft and it gave me a great feel. And I hadn't driven this car since last February and I went to Road America, I looked at my times and I compared my times and within two laps, I'm still probably on cold tires, wasn't really going extremely hard. And I was able to beat my fastest time, my all time best uh, time by about eight tenths of a second. Um, still probably on cold tires, being off that, out of that car for about eight months and uh, first time with these pedals. And there wasn't a whole lot of adjusting I needed to do within the within the visor app either. I played around with it, but um, I think what you're saying for the sports cars in general, just keeping them at default is 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 good enough. 
Yeah, so there you hear it. Just another example of how how great these pedals feel. They just when I press that brake, I'm, I'm not having. To, I don't ever have to lift. It's just I always. I'm, I don't have to do negative pressure with my leg if that makes sense. It's always about how hard you're pushing. You don't have to float your leg and control how high you're holding your foot like you do with the the cheaper models. Um, so iRacers Lounge is the code. You can still get 10% off. It's the best deal you can get. Go get your pedals today. Simcoaches.com housekeeping leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out we would appreciate it check us out on the discord to get involved and give us story ideas check out our website iracerslounge.com and i want to take a moment to shout out steve thompson uh you took over as our webmaster for the iracerslounge.com and Man, the performance is just top-notch V8, you know, 1,000 horsepower. Uh, if you could call a website like that, it's just it's just smoking. So thank you, Steve. Oh, you guys are welcome. It's uh, I'm glad to glad to help the the podcast out, and um, I could see what kind of issues you guys were having before, even when we were trying to read the script. So um, it's it's good to have everybody being able to work on it and and uh, get everything done before the podcast nobody realizes what what these guys do to get the uh, script up and stuff so uh shout out to everybody on the on the podcast for what they do it's a it's a pretty good team to work with yeah and so i want to remind our listeners it's a great tool i mean to go on there and see all everything that we're discussing so check it out we're in regular rotation at the performance motorsports network and the new iRock TV on Roku TV, I guess it's called. Let's uh, go to fantasy. Oh, wait, it's off season. But uh, we still crowned our champion from the fantasy, and it was uh, louder racing. And so I put together with a company uh, out of Canada uh, basically this trophy, and I'm going to describe it for our audio listeners. Uh, you got a guy sitting in a in a lounge chair or a couch, you know, kind of uh, sitting back. He's got his cell phone in one hand. He's got a steering wheel in the other, and he's got his helmet on. And uh, at the bottom, I can't read it. It says you uh, got better eyes than I do. <laughs> yeah, it says 2022 Fantasy Champion iRacers Lounge presented or produced or no a podcast. And then, uh, anyways, that's what it says. It's it's great. It's a great looking trophy. It's really impressive, Mike. Good job. Well, Tony Groves found the design. Uh, we had to f- kind of shop around the first company. We we actually sent the, we bought it from. They contacted me a few days later and said, "Hey, we can't do it. They're going to refund your money." So we had to find a different place. But I'm really glad to, to get. I, I believe it's Justin Louder, uh, the trophy um and well deserved i mean so 
man, fantasy was fun this year. Just want to remind everybody, let's do it again. We use it, the NASCAR app. You just put that on your smartphone. You go to the fantasy tab, you pick and, uh, and you roll through the year and see where it lands. And, uh, you might get a trophy. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, let's kick off some hardware software presented by Metro Ford. We have the VRS Direct Force Pro Pedal. Um, wow. Yep. What are the, the details VRS. on these, Steve? Yeah, I, I looked through these, and actually I, it was kind of interesting because I found a uh, uh, a review by Dan Suzuki. Um, he had actually done it last year. He had, he had he got a set of these pedals to do the review on, and um, he really liked them. He says the quality is good. Um, the only the only he rated them a nine point five out of ten, um, and they're they're really reasonably priced. Um, for the throttle and brake, it's six hundred and forty-nine dollars. If you had the clutch, it's two forty-nine, so it's nine hundred dollars for the set of pedals. And uh, anyways, Dan Suzuki was really, really impressed with him. The only thing he said was at that time, and they might have changed it now since this was done last year. He said the software on the uh, pedal UI was outdated, but uh, other than that, they have a really, really good feel to them. That was a little on the high side for uh, for non hydraulics. You look like Heiskenveld clones. That's exactly what I what I thought when I looked at them. And there was one uh, one issue on the uh, gas pedal and the accelerator pedal. When you look at the side view, um, the spring isn't going like at a you know forty five degree angle down. It actually goes out and then down. And so a lot of people were kind of putting the pedals down because of the way the spring was. But Dan Suzuki's father is a uh, engineer and his his father's a spring engineer and so he said that um that wouldn't hamper the the performance of the pedals at all you would think it would give a different force before it starts bending and then when it bends it gives a different force than before yeah you would think you'd think that's that's the way they would work for sure so i mean if you're in the kind of market for load cell you know heiskenveld style you you might want to consider these, especially if you have the VRS wheel, you know, and you want to keep it in the family. Yeah, and Dan Suzuki did mention that he's uh, he uses a VRS wheel. He, re he really likes it, and he says they're always updating the software. So maybe from then they've they've updated these. They have a really clean look to them, though. They're a nice-looking pedal. Yeah. Like I said, they look like Heiskenvelds. They mount like Heiskenvelds. Um, you've set them next to each other, you might not know which one's which. Well, you know what's actually starting to get hard to keep straight other than pedals is all of the different formula wheels that we've covered every week. Because uh, right off the bat, we got another one coming out, Track Racer Wheel Teaser. And it's just a real short Instagram clip that was a, supposedly secretly leaked. And, um, I mean, at this point, I'm starting to, 
it's getting hard to say individual unique things about the about the uh, F1 wheels. But uh, here's another one. It's got a display. It's got full LED lights on the front, uh, over the top, as well as traction control and a whole bunch of buttons and knobs and and whatnot. I can't see the paddle configuration, so I don't know if it has clutch paddles or not. These must be uh, a, a, a moneymaker money for all these guys making these wheels. That must be why they're coming out with them. They, they really have exploded. And, you know, you got everyone trying to get in the game. Now, Track Racer, they're obviously a, a chassis manufacturer. You know, rig they make the rigs. And so, you know, they're making wheels. And you can freeze frame this video and get a pretty good view of it. The buttons are all this simple black, it looked like, with white lettering. Uh, because of that, it, it's got a, a look to it that makes it look like a real race car wheel, you know? It doesn't have that too many lights, too many colors kind of look. So more coming on that one. That's just a teaser. All right, and we do have a little bit more details on our Sim Coaching Formula, Sim Coaches Formula Racing Wheel. Now they're offering their new P1 Formula Racing Wheel, and uh, we got three knobs in the middle. It looks like a hat switch down right in the center, uh, rotary knobs on the thumbs, thumb, and a good configuration of easy to reach thumb buttons up and down the left. I like that that they're all really kind of there in close close range it does have two sets of paddles and i do believe the bottom row is is analog so you can use that for for uh what standing starts and such and i believe we were talking about in conversation the big selling point with this is that it's now using usb3 to connect to the pc instead of usb2 which is granting more power and communication options yeah, and he has a uh, he's got a huge bundle with this wheel too that he's that he's made available. Um, it's like a five thousand dollar value for only nineteen hundred ninety seven dollars, and uh, there's only ten of them left. So I, I recommend if you're interested in this wheel, and as we know, sim coaches they they make awesome products, and uh, they have really great customer service. Um, with even like myself, I, I'm not even a well. I am a customer. I bought some springs from him, but he was right there to help me with them. So um, go to the website and, and check out this wheel and all the products that come with it. Yeah, the bundle. I, mean, I is, love it's the got case, a case that comes with it. It's got a case. Is that a quick connector, an extension, a T-shirt, a hoodie, some custom racing gloves? It's a really nice bundle. It's like a pelican style case. You know, that's that's really neat. I like it, and then. You know, that lifetime warranty really differentiates his wheel from, like you said, this flood of wheels that we have every single week. There's a new one, um, multiple ones. And so, uh, well done, uh, Lawrence. I, I really like w what I see. I love the look of it. I, I love that carbon fiber uh, across the plate. Uh, it's got that really good carbon fiber look. And then the colors are are there but they're not overdone uh they're kind of a pastel color um he's got multiple colors and and of course there's different wheels you can get with different uh themes on those colors too and so that's neat that you have some options i'll tell you one thing too is i mean i, I work from home on my computer and it doesn't matter what time of day i i'm in here he is on his discord channel answering questions which is really impressive for the actual owner to be on there. 
Hey, that's all about the customer, right? Yep. I may, I mean, I'm, I'm going with him next time I need something for sure. Especially, especially if I'm looking for new pedals, he's my man. Well, I, yeah, especially I, after, uh, after we heard about SimiQ, but we'll talk about that later. I definitely know that his next item that he's working on, on the hardware side, uh, I'm going to try to try to be involved in the testing phase and even design phase. And we'll definitely be purchasing one once, once they roll out. Well, um, how about we talk about another wheel? <laughs> Coyote Racing is giving a glowing review of the Mosa FRS Formula wheel with LCD screen, and he mentions that he is affiliated with Mosa. And on our uh, title, I guess this was Brian's clever wording. He says, "Should Fanatec be worried?" And, and the simple fact is, Fanatec's got more competition now, so it's going to cut into their profit margin, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I watched this video also. Um, the whole thing and uh, the guy had a lot of good things to say about it he really liked that it had leather grips on it um, so they won't deteriorate um, they've got aluminum dials high quality screen uh, the wheel he said the wheel should belong in a in an outer gallery it's so beautiful um, the dials and buttons are premium you can use it on the fan, fanatic dd base on the dd1 and the dd2 which is is impressive um, it has a usb connector for for other wheels um, it's got a it's got a, a usb uh, hookup on there so he he thought that eventually um, it'll it'll work on all wheel bases not not just those two um, and it's relatively inexpensive if you Five hundred eighty dollars or five hundred eighty pounds right now, um, and it has uh, thirteen unique displays that are different displays you can use on the screen. And uh, the only thing he said that he was having trouble with, and he wasn't sure if it was that wheel, just his wheel, or if everybody nobody had mentioned it, uh, nobody had written on there and mentioned it. But he said you can't have a double clutch you can't use a double clutches and change the screen at the same time so that was an issue and uh he also said that the clutch has a dead zone in it and he 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 uh he calibrated it numerous times and uh, he knew it wasn't a software issue it was definitely a hard hardware issue and uh, another thing he didn't like is the screen is not compatible with uh, SIM hub. And he says that really hurts this wheel. So you cannot change the uh, menu or the displays on it for that reason. And uh, he didn't like the uh, graphic. It's always an F1 car on the screen. So it shows the tires and stuff. He thought it should be able to be used on all, you know, have different cars on there when you, when you plug it in for different cars. Well, you said it works on the Fanatex DD1s. Yeah, it works on Fanatec DD1 and DD and the DD2. So you just I I don't get it. You plug it into a, or you attach it to a podium hub, but you still have to plug it in for uh, to a USB, right? Yeah, it has USB on on this um, already, and it's wireless too. Well, I think once. Yeah, if it's fully compatible with all these different wheelbases, I mean, it's certainly. Uh, an affordable choice you know for like you said the the pricing is right you, you know when you look at all these different wheels you know they're they're a lot they're 1200 and up you know we just talked the last one we just mentioned was 2500 so uh and, and you said this is 600 something euros so yeah 580 pounds 
That's about even wow. right now, isn't it, with the U.S. dollar? So, yeah. And if you have a Moza base, I mean, this is almost a no-brainer to go with it, right? Yeah, I think so. And, it, I mean, it's a nice-looking wheel. All right, next up we have a new website coming out that is looks like it's going to try to become a good place for basically a marketplace online for all your hardware and software needs. Um, it's simsearch.com. And he's got, he's looks set up with several vendors. He's got a whole lot of categories, but if you browse them, the quite a little of them, few of them are empty. So I think this one's really in the early stages. If you go look at his vendors, he's got, he's got five vendors, particularly probably the most notable, recognizable one is iRacing iFlag. Yeah. He had some, uh, setups on there. If uh, there was one company that were making setups um, and then they had some paint schemes for sale on there and uh, I guess that was about it. So I assume they're a startup company. Oh, and they, yeah. have, pro some they have profiles on there too. Fanatech DD1 and DD2 profiles for sale. Simsearch.com. Yeah, somebody sent me this and uh, wanted us to talk about it, but it's obviously really new. It's kind of a neat idea. We've seen this before, but it never really took off. I don't. I remember Landon Castle, Parker Kligerman. Uh, they did a website just like this to sell hardware, sim racing hardware. You know, used marketplace. Uh, we never heard from it again after it launched. So I don't know what happened to it. Well, they're having to kind of directly compete with both Amazon and facebook marketplace right especially for anything new you know uh but, but facebook marketplace for for anything used is still a pretty popular place yeah it is because the neat thing about facebook marketplace is local you know and you avoid the whole shipping nonsense we'll keep an eye on it and see if they get if they continue to grow all right mike i'm gonna throw this one at you because it's simq we've got the f64 sc v3 formula wheeled and it was made available last week is this your wheel without the screen no this is an asher so i i have a i have a cube controls yeah this company so you showed uh it was they were in the beginning they had a corner booth didn't they same company yeah the one that had the mclaren uh teaser rim so they're they're going to have a mclaren rim according to that teaser but this is their bread and butter rim. This is the Asher Racing F64 SC V3. Now, the V2 has been for sale forever. Um, now, when I bought my Cube Controls wheel, I had narrowed it down to two, and this was the other one. This is the one, except it was the V2. I was going to buy this wheel. I just love the look of it. I just think with the metal buttons and the way the buttons look, they look like they belong in a real race car. Uh, it's a very simple wheel. There's no display. Uh, it's very much like my cube controls, but a little more subdued. It was a tough choice. And, and now that the V3 is out, I'm sure there's upgrades and refinements. I don't know what those are, um, but it's going to be available. Uh, well, I guess it's available already. It's going to cost uh, 1,100 euros. It's really a beautiful wheel. And if you're looking for a, a formula wheel without a screen, you got to consider this one. 
All right. I don't see how we don't call this episode the F1 wheel episode because here we are, the Hyper P1. We kind of hinted at it earlier. It's available. It was launched on December 1st, which is today as we record. And you can use the 10% off code HP1 Day 1 for 24 hours only. And this wheel is loaded as far as, as the buttons go. But a lot of the buttons are really out of it, it, they're down low and kind of hard to reach. Yeah, this is like you call Gomez Racing and say, give me your best wheel. This is it. How about that price tag? 1650 bucks. Now, here's what I like about this one. Um, this, If I was going to get one other than the one, the kind of low-end one I have, I guess, or mid, middle-end, I would get this one ba- because of the fact that it has three sets of paddles on the back. Yeah, isn't that the bomb? I mean, that's really what takes it over the top, I think, is when you look at the back of it. Well, you, I, mean, I don't know how much do you do with it's that, though, David. I don't get no. it. What do you would you use it for? Boost, boost, basically. That's the biggie. Um, like a DRS uh, button or boost button. Yeah, DRS and boost uh, in the P in the P one when I'm running the the Porsche nine one nine. The uh, left upper trigger is my boost key, so I'm pulling that one while I'm up shifting with my right hand. And then it, on all my other cars that don't have boost, I actually set that to adjust my brake bias. It literally has 88 programmable LEDs. Now, his buttons are great. I mean, they they look just like the cube control buttons, actually. Yeah, and if I, if I ever do step up, I like the positioning of the, uh, the, the thumb wheels, thumb rotary wheels, because yep. that's the one, one drawback on the wheel I have is that they, they, bump, they get bumped too easily accidentally. So I really never use them. I, I have volume control now because anything else, it, I don't want to be accidentally changing my traction control in the middle of a corner. Yeah, and, nice and five knobs down below the screen, and then there's like a joystick uh as well like a red joystick yeah i do i i do wonder if um if they have a non-screen version that's cheaper but with everything else the same because i just don't need the screen is that all the f1 wheels for now (laughs) all right so steve uh why don't you pick up the uh, sim magic outfits too bad tony's not here because he he's our sim magic uh aficionado yeah so um Sean Cole at Simpit reviewed this this wheel, the Sim Magic or base, the Sim Magic Ultimate 21 nanometer wheel base. It's actually 23 nanometers, but um, he uh, I watched the video and it has 23 newton meters. Um, it it's 1100 dollars. And uh, so he was, he was, he was kind of funny because he was figuring out price per Newton meter. So he was going through all the big time wheels and what it costs. And so he figured out this was the best deal as far as Newton meters goes, because it's only uh, $49 per Newton meter. Um, this wheel or this base is, has wireless connectivity. Um, and uh, he, he said it was powerful. It was smooth. It was really rigid and strong um, it comes with three different mounting options which he really liked and had a beautiful nice finish to it he said uh, the the negatives were as ex- expensive it uses propri- pro- proprietary wheels 
he didn't like the wiring that came out of the side on it for the USB and also the power. And he says it really requires a strong rig because I think he said it weighed like 21 or 22 pounds. So it is a, it is a big, heavy, heavy base. Um, he said it uh, it it drove good. Um, he likes the software with Sim Magic, so sounds like it's a nice base, and it seems like it's reasonably priced. Just uh, those are the negatives as far as the proprietary wheels um, having to use their wheels on it. What was the price on that again? Eleven hundred dollars just for the base. And they have a package. Yes. I think it. I think it was like uh, fourteen hundred dollars or something with the wheel. Yeah, it's not terrible. It, it, wow. You definitely have a little bit of a smaller uh, ecosystem, I guess you could say, than, than some of the other companies. That's uh, the drawback. Yeah, particularly both Simucube and Fanatec have a lot of third market developers as well, which um, if SimMagic is smart, they'll come up with some way to adapt those wheels to their, to their hardware. Yeah, I, well, I agree. DD1 is what, 1,200? And the SimiCube is 15. And so this is in direct com competition with those, I would say, uh, as far as the, the strength and the pricing. Yeah, he he uh, he kind of compared it to the, you know, the Bodnar as far as that, you know, that the top Bodnar. Yeah, so you're not going to go wrong with this base. Um, yeah, the only drawback is the whole wheel scenario. Uh, what what can you attach to it? What you can't, and so forth. And how easy is it? And he he also he feels you know you you really don't need over fifteen eight meters anyways. He says you can't even turn the wheel when you get above that on this one. So I've experienced that. <laughs> it, I mean, when you run eighty seven car at full you know hundred percent with my you know semi cube pro, it, it's no joke about turning the wheel at some point. I mean. Uh, I think I'm actually building a little muscle since I got this wheelbase. And it's not that I didn't have the DD1 turned up, but this one just feels stronger. And it is to a uh, to a degree, but I, it, it just feels different. I don't know. We'll get you some protein and that wheel, and you'll be looking like David over there with the guns. Bye-bye. All right. The next thing we have up is the Digital Racer Engineer update. Uh, for for DRE 2022, they have received an upgrade and they are no longer using Voice Attack. Instead, they have their own standalone iRacing Spotter and Crew Chief. Um, it comes now with one free package, and there are three paid voice packages that you can purchase. And they are running a 50% off Black Friday sale for as low as $2.99 a month. I don't know how long the sale runs. Yeah, you can. I actually use a DRE, um, and so I recently just upgraded uh, to this package. I was using the old one with Voice Attack, so I did the uh, beta test for with, or I was doing the beta test with him, and uh, I, for some reason I was having all kinds of issues, and so um, I did. I, I just stopped using it until he came out with the uh, with the full version, and it works really well. It's actually works way better than the Voice Attack version. So right now you can go in there and you can buy um, a year subscription um, and and get those huge huge fifty percent breaks off of it. But I highly recommend it if if you especially if you're in VR, um, it has a ton of commands and it's you know it's got a uh, a um, 
a spotter on it and and also the crew chief and i mean you can ask it all kinds of things like you know stint laps i use it mostly i use it for stint laps i'll say how many stint laps do i have and it'll tell me you know i've got 55 since i i stopped and how many laps of fuel i have left and you know changing tires i mean it's really a great package how neat that you can just verbally ask that right and it gives you a verbal answer while your eyes are still focused on the the racetrack and the the cars around you um it's you know it, it sounds like a neat tool for even people that are not on vr yeah i know i agree i think it's a great tool all the way around i think it you know for a lot of guys that are using certain overlays and stuff maybe um you know they wouldn't have to use those up overlays if they got used to you know the the commands and asking dre what to do that's the only down downfall is is remembering the vocabulary yeah but i can glance i don't agree with you because i can glance at my overlay and get the information on the fly a lot faster or just have it floating where i can see it all the time um so i think having both options is really the optimal yeah that's for sure i tried dre way back when it was new um wouldn't you know that was using the voice attack and stuff and and i struggled with it because i couldn't remember the the commands <laughs> like i would shut up you know right side tires only and half a can of fuel and but then i would go and key up the button and say a half a can of fuel and two tires and it wouldn't work because i said it wrong you know and so i kind of struggled with remembering what those verbals what to say yeah, that's probably the biggest issue. Um, the other thing, too, is when it was run in DRE, you know, you actually, the best way for it to work was to go on and you had to train your voice through Windows. And uh, it definitely worked better. Where now, with with him incorporating um, it all into one package, um, you, don't, you don't have that lag. And it, it seems to work way better on the commands. And he's got more commands, too, so it you know, it'll pick pick them up like, you know, how many gallons of fuel do I need and stuff like that are a little bit more direct than they used to be. Yeah, I, I do use Crew Chief, but I don't do that many voice commands because it never understands what I'm saying. Yeah, this one so far has been it's been dead on. Um because even the old voice attack, the voice attack one, sometimes it wouldn't it wouldn't understand what I'd say. I'd have to say it a couple times. This one, I just say it one time, it picks it up. Anyways, if you're interested, uh, look up, go to uh, www.thedigitalraceengineer.com, and um, e Egil's the guy that owns this company, and he's on, he's another one. He's on Discord all the time. So if you need help, you can definitely get help from there. But go try the free free version and see how you like it yep yep all right we're staying in the software arena and we have a setup system that we talked about a little bit last week and you got some follow-up steve from from a listener so you want to tell us about it yeah so um the listener scott who owns the company i racing setup differ um he messaged me on uh, on the discord channel and uh, anyways, he was quite surprised that we mentioned his software, iRacing Setup Differ software on the show. He says, with the busy season around and Thanksgiving, I have 
I am a few shows behind in listening to the podcast. I just listened to the November 10th show today. He said, I created the iRacing setup differ because at the time, all the setup comparison tools required you to export the setups into an HTML file and compare the files themselves. That has a number of problems. The main one being the comparison program has to be updated to work with each new car and occasionally with the season updates or changes that iRacing makes to an existing car. With iRacing setup differ, I wanted to create a tool that was simple and straightforward and worked with any car and any seasonal updates without forcing users to constantly download new versions of the software. From the user feedback I've received, this has been a success. One of the most often mentioned features is the ability to compare the existing setup in iRacing extracted live with a version used in a previous race race or practice session extracted from the telemetry files. Also, not that it makes any real sense to do so, but it can also be fun to compare setups from completely different types of cars just to learn what the difference between them are. Anyways, he says, thanks for mentioning the software. It was an unexpected surprise, and uh, see you on the track. And that was Scott. So it was kind of cool. Um, you can go to uh, – we have a link here on the uh, show notes where you can click up and, and go download his software and try it. But kind of cool that he's listening to the show and was surprised to hear his, uh, pack, his software package on here. Cool. All right. Talking telemetry a little bit now, we've got a message from David Tucker concerning iRacing uh, slip telemetry. He talks about that the telemetry might be available for the SimCube active pedals on the iRacing forum. Um, he also said that December 1st, the pricing and availability dates are supposed to be announced at the Racing Expo. So that's that's um, interesting. He's an iRacing staffer, but he knows a lot about the SimCube software. Is he, is he working for both companies? Um, he's a no, developer. So. No, he's he's a developer, David Tucker is. He's the one that does all the tires and all that stuff on here. On, okay, so uh, he's actually just replying. Okay. Yeah, he's just replying. Yeah, he's really gotten involved with these uh, pedals because of the telemetry that that uh, is involved in it. But what I thought was interesting about this was he was talking about the, uh, you know, they were having a conversation about the uh, slip output. And he says, we don't output slip slip to telemetry. There's no information output live about your tires at all. The built-in LFE effects have direct access to the physics so they can use slip directly but not all other tools are using G-Force or engine RPM versus ground speed to estimate wheel slip, and this is not very accurate. It is accurate enough to let you know when you really mess things up, but not good enough to actually threshold the brake. So that's what he's talking about if you're going to feel it through the pedals. And even, even with our shakers and stuff, you probably notice you know, some tracks – like Martinsville, for some reason, slip works really well. But on a lot of mile and a halfs, you know, you're getting vibrations going down the down the uh, front stretch, even through the trioval a little bit with wheel slip. So, you know, you have to make a lot of adjustments, and that's from the telemetry actually coming from from my racing. Yeah, if you go, I didn't realize uh, how deep this thread goes. He goes really into detail about the different possibilities of develop development with these pedals. And we'll hit the price on them a little bit later. Well, yeah. 
I mean, we can talk about them now. Yeah, let's uh, jump onto it. Since we're talking about the SemiCube Active pedal, the pricing was announced today. And uh, I think we all thought it would be high, but I don't think we thought it would be this high. A set of three, 6,246 euros. Yeah, that's, that's mega sticker shock right there. Well, it's interesting. If you look at them, they're actually using act small actuators, just like you would on your motion rig. If you look at the front of them, you can see that. So they actually have motors on them with actuators. Um, so if you if you kind of think of, you know, what it costs to build actuators or even to buy actuators for your rig, it's probably if you think of it that way, it's not that far out of out of cost because it is expensive, you know, to build build the actuators, you know, probably the cheapest you're going to do as far as actuators goes about $4,000 for a set of four, um, you know, do it yourself actuators. Now, if you just buy one, it's 2,400 euros. And the thing that's going through my head is if you buy one and use it as the brake and you just use your existing clutch and throttle that you currently have, is it going to feel right? Is it going to feel weird, you know, because they're different. They're actually different pedals from different manufacturers. Yeah, it could be. Will I mean, work? I mean, originally that's what I was thinking, you know, that I, I would, I would purchase just the brake, but you know, like on my pedals, the brake is the one that the accelerator and the clutch both plug into. So I don't know that that's going to work for me. Yeah. The brake right. and the clutch and the throttle all feel so different anyway, but that you possibly could do it, but um, it's I don't an know. expensive it, experiment, it's right? Very, very expensive. We'll, we'll have to see the reviews, but I'm I'm way happy. This actually increased my happiness with my Sim Coach pedals after hearing this sticker price. Plus, you can't buy them if the, if you you're in the United States either. I went on there to click click on them because they said you could order them without putting a credit card in they won't charge you till they ship but uh anyways it's just in i think in the uk or europe that you can order them yeah europe only at this point is uh where they're selling them i you know i saw the forum post and went through some of the thread uh of the reaction to the price and uh a lot of people were like you know i was interested and now i'm not you know, now that they've seen the price. Yeah, David Tucker even, you know, he talked about the price, but, you know, he said, you know, it's probably the difference between they're going to make maybe a, a, you know, a lot of the SIM companies look at making money from only making 10,000 products rather than, you know, mass producing them. So that may be, you know, later, maybe the price will come down on them or somebody else will come out with pedals with actuators built into them like those. I don't know. Well, and somebody else in the forums brought up the fact that, you know, every time there's a new piece of tech in the sim industry, it's super high priced. You know, it, the, the first one is always, you know, got to cover the cost, you know, R&D, you know. But, you know, the idea is maybe this opens up the, the idea for other manufacturers to do something similar. They come in with a cheaper price. You know, we get competitive pricing going and then maybe, you know, it can, uh, you know, be a, a little bit more affordable for the masses. Yeah. And I, I think, too, 
you know, until the software through iRacing gets developed, like David Tucker's talking about, you know, then it then it really becomes an interesting product. But I think until that happens, um, you know, I'm definitely I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna wait till development gets better, software-wise, and hopefully on the price. Yeah, I'm still waiting to see. They mentioned that the software from this pedal is going to be integrated into the wheelbase. You know, and I remembered that when I saw this story last night. I actually went on SimiCube's website to see if they've uh, updated the software for the base yet, but they haven't. Yeah, I remember when they talked about that. That should all be really interesting to see. Well, it'll be a good test to see how it works on the base. You and and uh, who else has it? I think Donnie. Donnie, has, Donnie has a wheel too. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what you guys think when they do upgrade that and the feel it gives. Hoping it's not as bad as uh, Logitech's uh, review was from a couple weeks back. Well, that was just one guy. Everybody else liked it. So All right, we talked Donnie. about. Oh, go ahead. Well, one more thing, uh, David. Uh, we kind of talked in our group chat about this pricing. Uh, I mean, what what do you guys think of the team's reaction? I, you know, it was kind of uh, it was kind of funny. I was just like, basically, hell no. Yeah, it's universally uh, being panned right now. Um, there's a couple uh, YouTubers out there, kind of, you know, supporting it and giving their reasons for it. But honestly, it's a whole lot of money, and I still can't get over. I don't know if you guys have talked about it. Um, I just can't get past the look of it. I don't. I don't like the look of it. And that's a massive footprint for your pedal tray. If you want to go throw three pedals of this size down there, it might need a rework of your, uh, your pedal box down there. Or they're going to stick out, you know, farther than the normal rig allows, right? Like maybe SimLabs needs to have a specific rig for these kind of pedals, you know, where you have a bigger, like you said, a bigger footprint for them. You know, and more to what you guys are saying, if you could just buy one of these, you'd be set, use other pedals, because I don't know. I don't know how many, what percentage of the sim community is going to spend this money on three pedals. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm sure they'll sell 20, 30 maybe. I can't, I mean, I'm just guessing, but I can't imagine they're going to have big numbers. Well, I, I think if, if, uh, if it's adjustable and they can, and let's say an F1 team can use these to where they can feel the same as they actually do in the real car, that could be huge for the sim community as far as, you know, NASCAR and all the different company, all the different race teams that use, use um, sims to get the exact same feel. That could be interesting. That's a good point. Maybe uh, there's a market there for the pro community, you know? Well, that, that actually sets up a really good segue because the next video is actually about pro drivers debunking the uh, sim racing pedal misconceptions. And it's uh, basically uh, Randall McCallson. He asked some professional drivers, including Daniel Mared, David Perel, and James Baldwin, from or and the SPA 24-hour winner, Rafael Marcielo, um, about, he asked them about their thoughts about the real sim versus or the real pedals versus the sim pedals. Donnie, I'm going to throw you back into the fire now that you're back from real life duties. I'm sorry, David. I didn't actually watch this video. I couldn't get it to play earlier. Um, so what did they have to say? I, wa I watched it. Um, he interviewed quite a few different drivers, and they were talking about, you know, what they, what they liked the feel of. But none of them really could ever get the same feel 
that they could in their in their real car and uh they it didn't seem like it hampered them hampered them that much as far as uh being able to practice so that was what after watching that video and thinking about these pedals you know that that would be huge if they could get the the same exact feel if they could get brake fade and those type of things added um, through the software and you know it makes sense um i could not find a chart anywhere that would articulate uh brake travel distance on the various cars that we have out there and so i would just watch videos of um, pedal cams and i would watch gt pedals uh, the stock car pedals and, and the open wheel pedals and they're all different and even the one gt3 cars pedals are different than the next one and it's hard for the sim manufacturers you got to just create one pedal and hope most people like it or and you get that um all the pedals in the real world are seem to be different regardless of the same platform or not um but i don't know abs would be nice to have um with these hydraulic pedals now when we first start started talking about active braking from SimiCube, um david tucker said you know that you know they haven't measured that brake information on the cars when they scan them and that they probably should start doing that going forward um, and then integrate that as you know part of the the telemetry and such so the active pedal can use it well it's, it's important especially if you own the pedals me and david have where you can change out the, the washers and you can create that brake travel distance so when i get into an open wheel car i have a 20 millimeters of brake travel and that's all I need. Uh, then I switch out the washers and I loosen it up. And then I have a, a longer uh, brake travel for the, the cup car or even the GT cars. So it's interesting because I have mine f completely travel free. It, it immediately goes to pressure as soon as I push on it. Push on it. Yeah, yes. that, that's what I did with mine when I got the uh, washers from uh, Lawrence because I had quite a bit of play um, with those urethane bumper bump urethane plastic things and so i really like not having hardly any play now it really works well yeah my only play is at the beginning where you set the dead zone and you could just rest your foot on it um but i like the different pedal feel for the different cars i'm in um especially with the open wheel car having that quarter inch of brake travel uh as opposed to a different car it's because uh, your braking zones are much different at high speeds in an, in an open wheel car than they would be in a, a big heavy cup car um, reaction time wise, but if we can have the uh, adjustability in the sim, like we do with these pedals, that'd be, that'd be great. Um, one more thing before we leave the whole active pedal discussion, somebody in the forums pointed out this, you know, this isn't groundbreaking new because guess what? Sim tag already did this with D box. Um, and so I just Googled it and I found an article from, last uh, September of 2021, and they show the SimTag pedals uh, integrated with D-Box, uh, which give you that haptic active feel. Of course, it's it, they don't do, you know, the, the whole profile thing that the Simi keeps trying to do, um, you know, where as it, you quickly change from one car to the other, but it's kind of the same idea. Let's give them some credit too. Do they do they have those pedals live? I mean, are, do, are they using actuators on them, or are they just using the haptic feedback from from? There's the, a big box behind it, and I think that's where the actuators are. So yeah, I think so. 
And what was the name of it? SimTag? SimTag. So Google uh, SimTag D-Box pedal and you'll see it. But uh, yeah, I want to throw that out. It's been, you know, two or a couple of years since we've talked, uh, or, or a year or so since we've talked about that. And I completely forgot about it. All right. The All next right. one I got is yep. a listener feedback. Uh, Darren F. Uh, reviews our discussion about the 4090 series overheating issues. And he wanted to set us straight. We were a little uh, speaking out of turn. He said the 49ers don't have an inherent issue uh, with the cable. The issue is when it's not fully inserted into the socket, which lets it overheat. Now, Steve at over at Gamers Nexus has done extensive research and got solid results of being able to replicate it. So don't worry too much about the 4090s. Just make sure the cables are fully inserted. Well, that's not in line with what one of the one of the reviews we covered directly showed. Uh, the guy actually showed that the cables were breaking fairly easily, not not necessarily just being fully inserted, but that the that inside the cable, because of the position of being up against the right up against the wall of the case, you have to that, bend the cable. Right, they were bending the cable, and then and then if once one of the leads would break or two of the leads would break, there was more voltage flowing and current flowing through all the other cables causing the overheating. So um, it's probably a little bit of both because uh, if you're not getting the, the, not getting the cable in there completely is going to cause the exact same problem. If you don't have every wire connected, the other wires are going to carry more cu uh, current. What, I, what I, I actually found a, a, a company in Europe that's making a custom cable that I ordered. So it's supposed to be here in a week or two. That is uh 600 watts and it so it goes from um plugging into the uh that special connector into the card and then goes down to just splits into two um instead of four cables so it'll be i'll i'll be testing that here and coming up in a couple weeks so i don't have to worry about the fire but you're right that's the issue they were having was the actual cable or the leads inside the the plug that they were having the issue with it was shoddy so no fires yet Nope, I'm good. So it must mean you know how to properly install a graphic card. And I know how to put it in. All right, Steve, we have some speculation with Fanatec based on their Black Friday sales. Yeah, um, it says, what did we learn is a headline, and it says, Bruno Denise of Fanatec Owners Group chat speculates about the future offerings from the company based on their Black Friday sales. And so he it's uh, he posted. So what have we learned from Fanatec's Black Friday deals? When we look at past Black Fridays, we can assume the following: new DDD1 and DD2 will be released soon. That's why they needed to clear the stock. Same as the CSW 2.5 wheel base. New higher end pedals, either V4s or new podium pedals coming. Hence, both V3 and V3. Both V3 and V3 is being discounted. Inverteds, the inverted. Oh, inverted. I got you. Uh, same as BMW wheel, V1, McLaren V1, and many others. Limited edition Formula One wheels are all out of warranty by now, so they cleared their backup stock. So that's this guy's speculation. What do you guys think? Seems legit. That could just be a reminder. Uh, just do your research before you buy something, even if you see a killer deal on it. Uh, it could be back stock that people are trying to get rid of. Uh, 
you know, based also, on Manatech not normally offering such good deals, I think there might be something to what he's saying. It's legit. And another part of the speculation may be that those have just been items that have not been moving. So at some point they're like, well, ultimately everything is worth what somebody will pay for it. So if it's not selling, you got to cut the price. So the DD1, David, has been out for some quite some time now, right? It's probably time for an update. But I don't know what needs to be updated other than more power, right? Which you can get if you go to the DD2. Good point. I mean, I think the bigger issue is the quick releases, right? Well, that's the thing. So if they have a new quick release system coming out that they've been talking about forever, you know, do they need new bases to go with the new quick release system? I would presume so. Now, they would definitely shoot themselves in the foot, though, if they went, if they lost backward compatibility. Because I, I sure as hell would not buy another base just to get a new quick, quick release. Yeah, maybe they sell them where you can install them or something on the older version. It hadn't been as much of an issue for me anyway. Both of my uh, both of my wheels have the quick release built onto the wheel, I guess, instead of having it, having it have some separate. And I don't deal with the same amount of play that you guys talk about. But it is good speculation that there's they're probably setting up uh, clearing some inventory to make room for new products, and combine that with these products probably weren't selling, and I think those are the two leading causes. All right, let's jump into results. Uh, All right. Go ahead and talk about your uh, Winter Series escapades since you're basically the only one running them. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the whole team would run the Winter NIS, and I'm pretty much out there by myself. But uh, Wednesday Open, I didn't even have a set. I ran the fixed set. But I want to put a point up, you know, put some points up each week. So I ran anyway. Uh, guess what? Car number one. And... I was wrecked in the first part of the race. Some fool, now I'll use that word lightly, on the first corner, literally the first corner of the first lap, he missed his braking point and drove like 10 cars too deep right by me. I mean, like I was braking and he went right by me and he was on the apron and, and he didn't hit anybody. And, and I said out loud over the radio, man, that guy is a weapon, watch out. So not even three, four laps later, apparently he's coming off pit road, the same guy. He's trying to get up to speed coming out on the backstretch and he hits the grass off of the entry or the exit road. He spins or, or basically hooks right straight up in front of the field and, and destroys us. I mean, literally. Um, he apologized profusely. He claimed his throttle hung, which it didn't look like in the replay. Uh, it just looked like he lost control getting up to speed too fast. But uh, the way it looked to me was it was one of the craziest wrecks I've ever seen. Um, I was just going right behind this guy. I mean, I was right on him. And it looked like his car exploded. And it kind of went straight up. And it, it, it was like I, the, the first thing in my mind was, we hit one of those bombs on the track that makes a car explode and jump up in the air. That's what I thought happened. I didn't even see the guy coming from the left that hit the guy in front of me. He T-boned him and that made him go up. And so that's what I saw. I, at first I thought it was net code, 
or so, or like one of those bombs. But once I saw the replay and the guy started, you know, apologizing, I'm like, wow. So anyway, yeah, I lost a lot of I rating there. You'll be running that Sunday morning race if you're gonna run it again, Mike. I'm gonna run it Friday night uh, for sure because I had such a bad finish. So um, it's a neat track, and you really have to not overdrive it and keep it on the bottom of the corners. Did it feel weird to you driving that car on that track? It did. It's like tiptoeing around. It's like too much car for that track. I don't know. Okay, so other official, I ran the USF 2000 at Okiyama. I started P7, I got up as high as P5, but eventually faded back to P7. Steve, A open. Yeah, I ran, uh, I had a really good week at Chicagoland. Um, I ran uh, a couple races before from last week also, but from Wednesday or Thursday on. Um, so I ran in the morning, and actually this is wrong. I got this one wrong. I, I, I started 10th, and uh, I was going around and we lost power and I ended up crashing into the wall. So I lost, <laughs> I lost like 40 points because of that. So a couple hours later, I decided to run again. I ended up uh, starting, I think I, I can't remember where I, uh, where I started, but anyways, I finished uh, first. There was no cautions in the race and I, I won by 14 seconds. It was crazy. Um, my car, it was the open and my car just ran really well. And then, so then on Sunday morning, I decided to race again. And uh, I, I started a little deeper in the field, but I came up and passed a bunch of cars. And it, I think we only had, uh, we only had one caution on lap 98. And I was gonna be second. I caught a bunch of cars. And then uh, we had a, it was, I came out of the pits first and so it was a green and white checker and I ended up winning that one. So I won two back to back. And then that night I ran again and uh, I was, actually I was in the top split and uh, I got up to eighth and then the guy, there was a caution that came out, so another green and white checkered. And there was a guy up front that, at first I thought he spun his tires, but he actually clipped the apron when I went back and looked at it and came up and took out half the field. So I limped around and finished 21st on uh, on that one. But it was a good week overall. I'm like 22 something now in I rating. So I've gained almost a thousand points since when I started with you guys. Yep. Uh, I ran a bunch of hosted. Chris McGuire hosts up some great racing. Uh, join us. Supercars in Michigan. I was P5, came all the way from the back. And this is without yellows. So I'm marching up through the field. P5 on the white. I got dumped. Uh, next was 87, the Talladega, wrecked out. Next, Gen 5, at Talladega, wrecked out. Next was the Mazdas at Old Daytona. Boy, that was something. Uh, try uh, r racing in a pack at 120 at Daytona with you know 20 other Mazdas. Uh, yeah, got wrecked out real quick in that one. Then it was uh, 87 at Talladega on Tuesday. <clears throat> I came from all the way in the back up to the top three, wrecked out on the white flag. And then last night, really fun, we ran the Pro 2 light trucks at Southern National. I went from dead last all the way up to fourth. And you know, and if I had some more laps, I could have won that race. All right, Winter League. 
Steve P26, but that's not the story of your race. I mean, I want to point out you qualified well, top five. You were running top five through the first run and holding it and running with those guys. And you were running better than everybody else on the team before you got wrecked. Uh, no, David was faster than me. I let D David came by, I could tell he was faster. So he moved up. You were running third, weren't you, David, when I got wrecked? Yeah, I got as high as third. Yeah, David was, David was definitely faster than I was. But I mean, I thought I was gonna have a good finish and uh, I got, I got, I had a guy kind of hook me a little bit coming off of uh, two, and I had a bad crash. And uh, but it was my car was still okay, so I came back out, and then uh, I ended up I was passing a bunch of cars. My car felt good, and then another guy came up, same guy that wrecked David, and um, hit me coming off the off turn four. So, but uh, those guys are fun to run with. I mean, they're fast, so it's kind of fun to be competitive with them. But I think. I think David, you, you had a good chance to maybe win that race, huh? No, Chandler, of course, definitely. After he finally got back there, but was quite a bit faster than me, and uh, so was the was it Josh or John that that he didn't pass till right at the end. Um, so you, you mentioned the guy that wrecked me. We went back and looked at it. I know you had taken a look at for me alive since you were out of the race, but. I came on, I did look and I just barely came off the wall a little and on my screen, it then net coded him. So it, it, it wasn't really, he didn't really work me. It was, it was another net code issue. So it, uh, it still sucks, but it's not his fault. Uh, I did run top five all night up until that point, but that net code, uh, I got about two minutes with damage. I, I stayed on the lead lap, but couldn't fix the damage. And um, at that, I, the toe was damaged. In fact, uh, it wasn't broken, but it was bent because I could feel the steering wheel being off. And as a result, the car was unstable and really one of, whatever tire was, was towed out, wore out way fast. And I just fell to the end of the lead lap. But Mike, so, you ended up with a... So. Yeah, no, you, Mike, you had a great run and, and uh, so did Greg. I'll go next. Uh, well, Steve Allen wrecked out. Adam wrecked out. Uh, I got P14. I'll take it. My tires would fall off around lap 30 to 35. At one point, I was dead last, like 27. But I just persevered and hung in there and with attrition and everything. Got a nice top 15. I'll take it. With that group, yeah, on that track, I'll take it. Uh, Greg, I was running with you, uh, but you were P9. Before that, Adam didn't wreck out. His internet was gone, going to the shits, and so he didn't run. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then, Greg, we weren't on the same lap, but we were running together. You had a P9. At some point in the middle of that race, I got some damage from the wall uh, with another guy in one of the early accidents, and um, I went to the back of the pack, and... Um, for some reason, I felt kind of awkward getting, I got up to like the top 12 real quickly and I didn't realize why, but then I quickly realized why in the long run because I used my tires and everybody else was kind of taking it easy and um, kind of fell back and lost a lap. And then I think it was on David's, there was a caution before David's caution um, that uh, put me with the rest of the cars that I needed to race against. And then 
Um, I was able to get into the lucky dog spot and then David's caution happened and uh, or the one that David was involved in and um, I got my lap back and I basically was just still fighting I think David there David was a lot slower because of his damage and uh, um, who's the guy that uses the controller he was the other one I was having a battle with Los Fonseca yeah Fonseca I was I think the three of us were fighting there at the end um, and uh, he got me just late there um, but uh, it was a fun race I didn't deserve the p9 but I'll take it and we'll move on I think I'm still the highest in the point standings of all of us too on the team the note um, Christian Challoner the winner he uh, took the double or nothing on the pay so the deal was if the poll winner which he won the poll starts from the back and wins the race they would double his pay so he got 40 bucks instead of 20 but he did it he won the race he was on pole and he started in the back he did last he, week too yeah and well he didn't start from the back last week though and it, he didn't get back on he didn't get the lead until the last stint if it went if it went green he was never getting a lead it was it was all about the the short run i think there that helped him out I was rooting for you, Greg, to win the $10 for Lucky Dog at the end of the race. I I had no... I don't know what I was doing on that one run, but I ran the tires off so fast. I was, I was sitting duck, and I was getting passed by guys uh, real quickly, and it just... You know, I got a... I had no preparation for that track to know what we needed there, but uh, it was enough to get by, I guess. You know, P9s in that league... I'll take it. Yeah, the, the guy that net coded with me, he went a lap down in, in, as a result, and his car was in better shape than me, and I'm pretty sure he came in in the lucky dog spot because he was the first car lead lap down. So I guess he got some money out of it, which makes me feel less bad in a way. It was net code, but um, I know that I still inched off the wall just a little. Just I had my wheel turned too far to the left when the car straightened out, and it swerved back to the left just a tiny bit. And it's it's fun, even though I'm not in contention, uh, we're still racing hard. I mean, I'm racing this guy in this league called Alan Roll, and him and I are really equal drivers. Um, and we're always running, you know, within one or two spots of each other, it seems like. And uh, I was determined to beat Alan Roll on this race, and and I did, but I had to kind of, you know, we, we kind of rubbed, rubbed elbows a little bit, but... Uh, I think I still owe him one from some some other races where he's wrecked me. It was it was really interesting to race that race too because of the two grooves that you could run, uh, depending on where you were better at on the track. It it made for a good race. Okay, uh, Brian, uh, OBRL Cup B10. Yeah, so uh, OBRL was at the Auto Club Speedway this week, um, um, and uh, yeah. I jumped into practice like an hour before the race started and I heard someone say on Discord, like, who's that card bouncing all around? I was like, well, I wonder who that could be. And I looked at my uh, my uh, ping and it was solid red. I was like, what is going on? I backed out, you know, and looked at my uh, my uh, connection, you know, my uh, quality. And it was like, instead of being like around 90, which it usually is, it was like 1200. I was like, oh, something weird is going on. So I jumped out and tried to log back in. I reset my router, tried to log back in, got back in, and um, when I was on the website, it said that the system was out of service and that I couldn't get in because the system was out of service. So I don't know. It, 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 
everybody else was fine so it has something to do with my goofy ass internet so um i just waited around and finally like like about 10 minutes before the race started everything went back to normal i was able to get in didn't have any practice so i wound up just uh skipping qualifying i started in the back i was in p36 at the back of the field and uh auto club for me is one of those tracks where i i just for support every reason i just run the run the rubber off the tires you know my, i kill my tires so i used it as a started in the back and just use it as a as a way to practice um saving tires on it and it worked because i was like um you know we had some fairly long runs not full full fuel runs but you know cars would pass me and go get like second or two in front of me the next thing you know i'm pulling them in passing them and uh you know saving tires really uh was kind of kind of cool to to practice with that and you know just slowly uh you know just staying clean staying um you know staying safe and not burn off my tires next thing i know it was like you know 10 laps to go i was in the top 10 so uh that's where i finished i finished p10 and uh wound up getting a good finish out of what's what's set up for a terrible day nice run all right let's jump to final thoughts brian mccubbin you're up first yeah so uh a little late joining the show sorry i missed you guys it was my little guy's uh, birthday so um you know had to had to spend some time with him open his presents and let him play with some some presents so uh so uh, sorry i missed that early um there's some cool things and i really would wanted to uh talk about the uh the first race of the uh of the outlaw series that's usually one of the things i really look forward to i did watch the race um i don't know if you guys talked about it but um at the start of the race they actually had um the uh the um the actual cars in there the uh before the before the sprint cars came out they had the uh, street stocks in there so they had some really cool street stock racing before that i don't know if that's what they're going to be doing every week or not but it was really cool to see that so that was awesome um the the volusia speedway is a really good track to watch four tens at um it was a uh, real high speeds a lot of a lot of dicey racing and uh so yeah so uh looking forward to more more of those watching more of those races as that season starts and uh you know having a lot of fun in ubrl so i'm gonna keep that up and uh we'll go from there all right very good david hall final thought yeah not a whole lot going on i just bought fuji because we're running it me and cody are going to run the six hour there this week and i've run eight laps on it so far i'm right before we came on to record the show i'm going to go ahead and run run some more afterwards and try to run my first sprint race there hopefully i, I don't know if it's a popular track so i don't know if it'll even go official it's been a while since i actually had to relearn a track and what's interesting is that i i've done enough road racing now that learning a track seems to go a lot faster because I must, I started really quickly understanding exactly what type of corner each corner was and how to, whether to, whether it was an early apex or double apex and, and, and such. And so it was pretty neat that I got familiar with the track in just a matter of about eight laps. David, I heard rumor that Fuji is going to be free content season three, 2023 should have waited. I can't because I want to race it Sunday. Maybe you'll get a discount. It's eight bucks. Shit. I'm not going to cry over eight bucks. It costs more to buy a meal at Fazoli. You guys got to let off of the free content. All right. Uh, Donnie Spiker, final thoughts. No, no I got I to gotta stop you. We were just talking about $6,000 pedals, and now we're freaking out about an $8 track. Hey, I'm buying an 11 car, $11 car soon, so. All right, Donnie, final All right, thoughts. Donnie. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Sorry, I missed the middle majority of the show tonight. 
I look forward to some of those wheels you guys are going to talk about. Uh, went out to sim coaches this weekend. I got my monitor mounts, bolted them up. Um, it's probably my second favorite component I've added to this rig. Uh, built some button boxes over the weekend. I got to run a GT race last night. Haven't ran a GT race since, uh, or GT3 race since February. And that was a lot of fun. But um, looking forward to NIS on Sunday and just dialing in these uh, these monitor mounts. Are, they're pretty spectacular. So the button boxes, Donnie, they looked really good when you sent the pictures. I was impressed. Uh, you know, something I always hate is how deep how deep some of these boxes are but you didn't get it very deep and i guess my other question is where did you mount the usb is it coming out the side the back the bottom so for the two that i have mounted on my front cross member here they go out the side and then out and then they go out the back so they're pretty good um the one i have off to my right uh same thing there's no issues with the mounting of the usb i'm able to put it wherever i want in the box um, I spent a lot of time researching the button boxes and what I wanted. There was only one company that I found that I liked. Uh, one of us went through them, uh, but I did not have the best uh, experience customer service-wise with them. And I was like, you know what, forget it. And all the ones I was researching, I found that you could just buy these parts yourself. And I ended up just doing it myself. And uh, I like it so far. And I, I, don't, I don't have any switches. Um, I think somebody in the, the, the group mentioned that uh, this past weekend. But... Um, it's just how my brain wanted them to work. It's essentially designed for the cup car, and I've been using it, um, mapping it for the GT3 for last night uh, on certain things. Not not everything, but, but yeah, I liked it. it. It cost me a fraction of the price of buying one from somebody else. And I think you need to talk to Tony Groves about his pro-grade labels. Um, he, he's the king of the labels for the button box. Yeah, I'll definitely need some labels. Okay, Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Uh, just, uh, I'm kind of interested this week, uh, for the winter series, uh, we're going to Charlotte Monday night. So that'll be an interesting race. That's always, a um, a good track for, uh, a good racing. So I hope we can, uh, have a better showing, uh, as a whole group there, uh, when we get there. Um, but yeah, I think David, they're still at Daytona this week. We can finish up this weekend racing at Daytona for the, uh, road series so maybe i'll get some in practice in this weekend yeah y'all need to the best the best practice is to get on there and get used to multi-classing hey speaking of that so last night's race was only gt3 cars why do they why was that what do you think probably your i rating had you down in a low enough split that they own that you were in a split of only gt3s because all of the lmp2s were in higher splits uh they still don't segregate you to get you multi-class they feel they maximize the class sizes instead of instead of having especially if like particularly in in the ess series sometimes there might be only three or four lmp ones sign up but it may still split they go ahead and put them all in the top split instead of uh instead of putting two in each split now one of one thing I, that i would like to make as a suggestion and i'm at some point i'm going to get around to putting it in the forums post is Take the LMP2 class. Take if you have an undersized class like that. Take their strength of field and put it in the split that matches its strength of field. So you've got three 1,000 I rating LMP1 drivers, and there's two splits. Probably put them in the bottom split. The whole whole class. One, well, Donnie. What you're going to find too is when you run the 24 hour, probably the first 
five or six will be multi-class, maybe seven, depending on how much they are. But first seven or eight splits maybe will be multi-class, and the last little bit will be all GTs. Yeah, but with yeah. the new BMW coming out, that's going to change, I think. Yeah, it's it's hard to say when that when that comes out what it'll do. So it's a twenty four hour race with the same car. You could have it. I think the GT our our uh, our fun team last year had only GT series, didn't he? Didn't they? Yeah, actually, last two years that we did Daytona twenty four, the fun team was all GT cars. You might. My prediction is you might actually end up with with BMWs with you, but no MP twos. It'd be a I'll lot of people in that new car. <laughs> yeah, that might create a lot of splits for it to be able to get maybe into more of them. Okay, Steve Thompson, final thoughts? Yeah, as you all know, I've been running the uh, OpenXR and the OpenXR Toolkit. And um, they there's a, a group on Discord, uh, OpenXR Motion Compensation. And so I've always ran Motion Compensation through SRS um, for my headset. And that was only the one downfall about moving away from uh, uh, open VR was the uh, motion compensation since I run a motion rig. And so anyways, um, this group or this developer, he uh, he had a way to install it, but it's just way too confusing for me. It was like reading Greek. And so anyways, he came out with a uh, new alpha uh product this weekend um, that has an actual um, exe on it so you can just install it really easy and uh, anyways it worked right with my settings that i had in srs so i didn't even have to reprogram it so i'm really happy with that so if anybody out there has motion compensation they're running xr open xr and uh, running a vr headset um, you might want to give it a try since it is working and uh, other than that hoping to run at um the monster mile maybe a few races this week um just hope i don't gain lose any i rating points that's what i'm working on right now that's it right my final thoughts uh i've been avoiding daytona i, I kind of want to wait till i actually have the the car i'm going to race before i really dig dig deep and i want you know I, i'm not sure about practicing a car i'm not going to run but Keeping up with my F2000 series, my Skip Barber series, if if I own the track. Um, and then obviously the winter NIS has been fun. And doing the, the hosted stuff, I'm switching back and forth between the formula wheel and the oval wheel often. And I really highlight how good I this the QR system is for this case, the semi Q2 Pro. Um, you pull the pin, and it's not easy to get out. You really have to yank it, you know. Uh, you kind of have to tap the wheel, and it falls off, and then you, you put the other one on, and you push the pin in, and boom. The software, man, it's like two or three clicks just to change a profile, and, and you're right back in business. Operationally, I haven't actually turned the wheel off since I bought it. I just let it go into standby mode when the computer's off or or it, it times out after seven minutes anyway. I, and I've, I've had no problem with it. I've had, I've haven't had to use the emergency stop button really. I used it once, um, but really don't use it. But uh, really liking just the day-to-day -day with the wheelbase. I, I'm super uh, pleased with the outcome uh, of how it works and just, you know, the, the way it works, it, I, I love it.
can't uh, recommend it enough. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, just hoping to do well in the winter uh, league on Monday at Charlotte. Uh, probably looking for another top 15 with that group. So, uh, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.